the rabbis understood that God, through Enoch, wanted his son to be named Methuselah because it was upon Methuselah's death, the moment Methuselah died, that's when the first raindrop fell. And Noah got everybody on the ark because here comes the flood. So what's cool is Methuselah's life was a catalyst for repentance for the whole world. And this is your God. I'm only going to give you a thousand years to get your stuff together. And then I'm going to destroy the world. A thousand years. Well, 969. This is how patient and how loving and how long suffering your God is. Any one of these guys could have been the marker for the flood. But Methuselah is the one who marks the beginning of the apocalypse. And he lives 969 years because God said, I'll give you another chance. Maybe in a couple more years. Maybe in another decade. Maybe in another century. Maybe in another century. Maybe in another century. Come on, guys, repent. I don't want to destroy the world. I'll give you another hundred years. That's it. This is your God. Not the vengeful fire breathing. I can't wait for you to screw up so I can send you to hell. God's only going to give you a thousand years to get your stuff together. And then I really do need to take action. Like, I love that about God. His death shall bring. And then Enoch, um, it can mean teacher. Did you see it? Human beings are appointed a mortal inheritance, but the praised God himself shall go down a teacher and his death shall bring the overthrown comfort. The gospel is right in Genesis 5. Isn't that the coolest thing you've ever seen? I'm just telling you. That's Clopas and the other disciple. Chills. Goosebumps. Um, it's, I've always known that. I've memorized that. Of course you memorized it. You're Jewish. But I, I never really... That's... I know. That's God. Since the beginning, he's been saying, listen, I'm going to come down and I'm going to save you because I love you. Oh, I love it. Where else did he go? Huh. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I love, um, I love my new Bible. I bound it this summer myself, and I impressed it with two Hebrew letters. You read le right to left in Hebrew. So you read this way, going this way in Hebrew. So this is Aleph. It's the first letter, and that's Tav. It's the last letter, Aleph Tav. Well, Aleph Tav spells... Et, not E.T. <laughs> E.T. phone home. No, et. Et is an untranslatable particle of speech in Hebrew, meaning it has no translation in English. How can a word not have a translation? Well, Spanish has one also. In some uses, this, the personal ah does not translate into English. You don't say to them necessarily. It's just you're talking about this person. And so you use this ah. But in et is the equivalent of ah. And what it does, what et does, is it points in the sentence to what is going to receive the action of the verb. Does that make sense? Because the syntax in Hebrew can be loosey-goosey, kind of like in Spanish it can be as well. Um, the first 
I bet, I bet Jesus took these two guys to Genesis 1 and verse 1. Do you know what the first four words of Genesis are? And you say, in the, the beginning, God. And you're right in English. Do you know what the first four words are in Hebrew? Breshit means in the beginning. Bara, what word is that? In the beginning. See, you think it's God. It's not God. You say God every day when you say the Shema. Elo Echa El is that that's your God. Breshit in the beginning created God. Did God get created? See, that's where the syntax is funky, the position. So the next word, the fourth word in the Hebrew text is the word et. And that lets you know, no, God did not get created. But the verb, the very next thing is going to receive the action of the verb. And guess what the next words are? The heavens and the earth. So et says, there, there. It's directing traffic. It's the ultimate action pointer. Nothing happens, you could say. Nothing happens because verbs are all actions without et. Now, Revelation 1 and Revelation 21, God slash Jesus says two times, I am the alpha and the omega. Alpha is spelled like this, omega like this. And you read right to left in Hebrew. Alpha, oops, um, yeah, alpha and then omega. What language did God speak? Oh, he speaks every language. Who had the vision? Who had the revelation? Who is the person that wrote revelation? John. We say John. You know what his name was? Yohanan. What does that sound like? You think, he's, you think he was Spanish? Maybe Asian? What nationality was Yohanan? He was Jewish. So what language was God speaking to the Jew in his revelation? Hebrew. Hebrew or Aramaic, you meant to say, not Arabic, but you're close. This is Greek. Why would God say to John in his heart language, in his first language, I am the Alpha and the Omega instead of Ani Aleph, Yanitav. That's what he said to John. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. And John went, the first and the last. The one over all creation. Cool. Remember I said God, Jesus, because in Revelation, they switch. It's God says one thing and then Jesus is the one saying it. And God says, therefore I declare and Jesus is saying it. Read John 1.1. 1, 1. Sorry, turn your Bibles to John 1.1. 1, 1. Somebody stand and read in a very clear voice verses 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Cool. Who's the hymn referred to? Jesus, verse 14 tells us, and this word became flesh. God expressed himself in human terms, and that's 
when the advent of Jesus, but he was with God in the beginning. What do you need in order to make words? Letters. And what happens when you have all of the letters in Hebrew? What do you call it? You would call it the alpha beta, which is what we call it because it's Greek. They call it the aleph bet because the second letter in Hebrew is bet. Aleph bet. So if I wanted to create, let's say the universe and I'm God and I want to use as my primary vehicle of creation, I want to use speech. I'm not going to think things into existence. I'm not going to use my hands and form things into existence. Right, right. Now. I want to speak things. What do I need in order to speak things into existence? I need words. And in order to have words, what do I need? I need the alphabet. So the first four words of Genesis say, in the beginning, God created the first and the last letter all of them. And next, he created the heavens because he said shmaim. He can't say shmaim without the word shmaim. You can't have the word shmaim without the letters shmaim. Do you see how I'm saying? And Jesus says in Revelation, I am the Aleph and the Tav. And John said, it's true. When I'm telling you Jesus was the word, I mean he literally was the words God spoke in order to create the universe. Because John says nothing was made without Jesus. He made all things. How could Jesus have made all things? He can't if he's the alphabet. You mean Jesus is the alphabet? I mean Jesus is the alphabet. He is the ultimate alphabet. He's the Aleph bet. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's the first and he's the last. He's the mode through which God spoke the whole universe into existence. And you know how I know I'm right? Because John said it first. John said, in the beginning was the, was the word made up of letters. And this word was with God. And this word was God. What word is it? The word was et. The word was et. Because you know what that word does? It's the traffic controller for every action that every single thing takes. You cannot have an action without God cannot create the universe except through et. And Jesus says, I'm et. I am Aleph, I am Tav. Really cool. So I put it in my Bible because I wanted to remember. And there's my little press that I did. Jesus is the Aleph and the Tav. That is so cool. Spoke Hebrew, not Greek, not Greek. Okay, where else did they take him? Maybe he took him to, um, I don't know. We already did John 1, 1. Um, Oh, this is kind of cool. Numbers 13. When's the last time you just cracked open numbers because you wanted some good reading? Uh, Leviticus numbers. Numbers 13. You guys know the story. You guys know the story well. How many spies were sent into Canaan? How many came back and said, we got this thing in the bag? What were their names? Okay. Nice. Some people think Kalev. Some people think Kalev. And by the way, his name's Hosea. Don't believe me? Look at verse 13. 
No, don't look at verse 13. That would not be a good place to look. Look at chapter 13 and verse 16. His name was Hosea. Moses renames him. Now, whenever anybody gets a new name in the Bible, you need to pay close, close attention. I wish we had enough time. We'll go into the Hebrew alphabet and, and show you how important every letter is. Um, I bet you never thought of this. Did you know that, and that's a real Torah page, by the way, out of a 350-year-old Moroccan synagogue. Morocco is North Africa. You, could, you should look at those letters. And they're tattooed onto the deerskin. That's how they did it with a very sharp quill pen. They tattooed it. Not really. They didn't go like that. But, you know, as they wrote, it went into that skin. And it never comes off. A Jew believes that it's not just every letter that is sacred and holy and exactly where God wants it, but every space between the letters is absolutely necessary because those spaces have shapes, don't they? The letters make the shape. Have you ever seen somebody, you drive past a wall and it's this weird looking shape and then you look at it again and it says Jesus. You seen that? That's the Torah. So you have this physical, very defined shape that is a letter, and then you have this space in between it that, that does have a shape, it has a form, but it's not quite as defined. It's almost like the Torah has a body and a soul. And the soul is between the letters. The body is the letters. So Jesus says, yeah, let's go to Numbers 13. And he doesn't actually open up a scroll. He just takes these disciples down this road. Remember the spies? Well, uh, Kalev, you, you say lavev, uh, lev every day. You say, uvechol levavecha. What are you saying when you say lev avecha? Heart of you. With all the heart of you is what you're saying. Or heart of me. With all, no, it's the heart of you. So, Kalev means with, can mean all heart. Was that guy, did he live up to his name? Kalev? Oh my gosh. He saw giants. He saw grapes the size of basketballs. I'm not kidding you. It took two men carrying a pole to get one bunch of grapes. And there were like nine grapes on these things. And they were as big as watermelons. And they're carrying grapes. And with all my heart, comes back and says, we can kick their butts. <laughs> these guys are chumps. They're 12 feet tall. So what? That's a guy that's living up to his name, right? Hosea. What does Hosea's name mean? Well, Hosea means salvation. Now, Moses changed Hosea's name, what did he add to his name? He added the Hebrew letter Yod. Yod. It's the smallest of all the letters. It's just this little bitty thing. But see, God doesn't just add a letter to Hosea's name. He got the Yod from somewhere. Who gave up their Yod so that Joshua could be Yehoshua and not just Hosea. He's now Yehoshua. Well, there's a story where God changes Sarah's name and her name ends in Yod. So God took the Yod from Sarah's name 
and put it on Hosea, Joshua's name. She became Sarah and he became Yehoshua. Well, what does Yehoshua mean? It means the Lord is salvation. Do you know what? That's the full name, Yehoshua. Do you know what the shorter version of Yehoshua is? The more common version? Yeshua. Who was named Yeshua? Jesus, that's Jesus' Hebrew's name, Hebrew name. His name is Yeshua. Yeshua means the Lord. Oh, my, my markers are all dying. The Lord saves. And here's what the rabbi said. God took the Yod off Sarah. And here's what the Yod said. And you're like, what well, the Yod said? Yes. The letter Yod, which I took from Sarah's name, cried out continuously through the years until Joshua came and I added it to his name as it is written, Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Yehoshua. And God said to the Yod that he had taken away from mother Sarah, I will place you at the beginning of a man's name. Therefore, Joshua carries on the legacy of the patriarchs. Joshua prefigures Messiah because who is it that led the Israelites into the promised land? Joshua did, not Moses. Joshua did. And if he's supposed to be Jesus, he kind of is the forerunner of Jesus, sort of prefigures Jesus. What does that mean Jesus is going to do? Who's he going to lead? Where? He's going to lead all of his followers into the promised land, the real promised land. Notice how Yehoshua is going to do that for us as well a second time. So Yehoshua is Joshua, but Joshua's nickname is Jesus. So his name was Jesus. Jesus and Caleb. Jesus, salvation and with all your heart went into the land and said, God can do this. And the other one said, no, he can't. We're scared. So maybe he went there. I don't know. Um, there are, so, so this is what we're going to do starting, what is today? Starting next week after Labor Day. You and me are going to go on a walk through Genesis and I'm going to show you I'm going to tell you the story, unpack it for you as best I can in, in Hebrew terms and culture, and I'm going to let you take the pieces and put them together. And when they start snapping together, you're going to go, like when we do the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, you're gonna, your heads are going to explode. Literally, the tops of them are going to fly right off. It's so cool. Jesus is everywhere. He's in the story of Joseph. He's in the story of um, Judah and Tamar. He's in the story of Isaac. He's in the story of Abraham and Sarah. He's in the first four words of the Bible. And he's in the last, very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation. He's all over. And so that's our class. It's just the adventure through the Bible. Let's see if we can, you, did you ever play Where's Waldo? Did you ever play that? It's Where's Jesus? <laughs> Except the setting is the Bible. And it's like, let's see if we can find Jesus here. Because you know what? Jesus said in Luke 24, let me interpret for you, which means let me tell you what this means to his disciples. And then he's sitting around all the disciples and he does the same thing to them. He starts with Moses. He always starts with Moses, meaning 
the Torah and the prophets and the writings. And he says, that's about me. That's about me. That's about me. And they're like, huh? And he goes, look. And he opens it up and they go, no way. Just like we did with the genealogy. So cool. So that's what we're going to do. I hope you're as excited as I am.